Hey there, welcome to the Saints Hangout Podcast. Every word has been designed to bless, empower, and edify you as we search and teach through the scriptures. And now, here's today's podcast. It is my prayer that as, you know, as we fellowship together, as we share the word of God, it is my prayer that the, the Holy Spirit will touch every one of you wherever you are. You know, it is my prayer that, you know, God's word would saturate that place where you are. It will enrich you. It will empower you. It will cause a stirring in your spirit. You know, we started something last week and we're just going to take it a step further. And, um, you know, I was listening to the podcast on Spotify, I think on Wednesday. And, um, you know, a lot of time, even as the preacher of the word, you know, when you hear some of these words again, it stirs something in you. And at the same time, it makes you understand that, you know, um, it pays to follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. And at the same time, it pays to just allow yourself to be um, a vessel used by Him. Most of the times when I listen back, you know, it doesn't even have to be the sermons preached by me at times some of this some of the verses that god has also used to um be a blessing to some of us when we listen and listen and listen again it's so unique how that the word has that has the power to transform the same words that's why you know i love this the song that says um ancient words if i i think if i recall that was the title of the song um, ever true, changing me, changing you. You know, for those of you who know that song, what a powerful song. Simply, simply put, you know, is the same ancient word, but has the power to change me, has the power to change you. And that's why, you know, we started the topic of the conversation with title, It Pays to Preach the Gospel. Um, this morning, we are going to go, you know, last week, I I think I we started on a very awesome note and we're just going to take it deeper from where we left off. I'm just going to do like a 5 minute recap, you know, and I, it's actually on the um, the link. So for those of you who um have not gone back to listen to it or you want to share the link with folks, uh please go on to the Saint Hangout um layer where you normally listen. I, I believe it was uploaded because I have listened to it. And if you want the link, you can always ask um, the media team or the administrative team. Um, quickly, let's go straight to where we left up last week in the book of First Corinthians. Poof, glory to God. We started something last week, and I just want to... You can always call this part two. First Corinthians 2. I think that was where we left up last week. I'm just going to continue from where we stopped last week. First Corinthians 2. And if I recall, I was trying to explain... Um, I think from verse um, from verse four and verse five, while I was trying to break certain things down in part A and part B, and just to do a little bit of recap, we did talk about the gospel being. Let me just take like five minutes to do a bit of recap. We talked about the gospel being good news, and everywhere the gospel is being preached, it's 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 the Bible calls it uh, another word for it is glad tidings. So every time the gospel comes to you, the preaching of the word comes to you, it's supposed to deliver good news and glad tidings. 
That's why the gospel, when it's preached, you know, the way God intended it to be, it is not a condemnatory um, word. It is not meant to be a condemnatory gospel. It is not meant to be a gospel of that would you will listen to and then um, you just feel depressed. You just feel, you don't know. The Bible says there is now no condemnation to anyone who is in Christ Jesus. So God will never uh, speak to you to condemn you. He can speak to you um, to correct, to chastise, but it will never be to condemn. And I tried explaining certain things also last week from the, from from John 8, how that, in case some people don't know, in case you don't know, Jesus taught more than he did miracles. Jesus taught more. As a matter of fact, when you study the history or the, 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 the back end of how Jesus started his ministry, the Bible said there was a time when his parents went to the temple and they forgot him there. Even at age 12, when the parents got back to the temple and saw him, what was Jesus at 12? What was he doing? He was preaching and teaching the word. You know, I want to balance this because last week, if you notice, I was trying to put the teaching of the gospel on the sides of uh, the workings of miracles. And the reason why I took that route was because it was the way the spirit of the Lord um, uh, dealt with me in the preparation of this sermon. I'm going to say this again. I am not against the working of miracles. It is, it is a byproduct of the, 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 the resurrection, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. That's the reason why, you know, all those gifts were given. So I'm not against that. But the truth is, I have seen how, you know, a lot of people don't understand that, you know, you don't substitute anything. I remember saying that last week. You don't substitute anything for the place of the teaching of the word. You don't substitute anything for the place of the, the gospel because the truth about it is awesome. Yes, miracles do happen, you know, but I, I remember, you know, a, a, an awesome um, um, brother, you know, who also teaches the word, you know, he's also a pastor, thank God for his life. Um, he, he once put this quote, you know, and I'm going to take his quote, you know, he said, uh, miracles are heaven's intervention when the children of God are in crisis. If I believe that's how he puts it, you know, when the children of God are in crisis, when heaven intervenes, pretty much that's what we call a miracle. But the truth is, God does not want his children to be in crisis in the first place. I hope you heard what I just said. God does not want his children to be in crisis in the first place. And the reason why that is, is because, yes, heaven would intervene to get you out of that. But the truth is, if you had been taught rightly, you would not have been there in the first place. That's why I am so much um, um, waiting to see the day whereby when the preaching and the teaching of the word of God goes into a place. You know, I don't want a situation whereby as, as, as church now, we are so... Um, yeah, we, we love to sing, we love to dance, we love to do all of that. There's no, nothing wrong in that. But when it comes to the place of the teaching of the word, the Bible, if you notice one of the parables Jesus said about the parable of the seed, and you really need to please hear me very well, because there are certain secrets that God has given or Jesus gave us 
that we know that that is where power actually lies. The parable of the if you notice, Jesus never gave a parable about the receiving of worship or the how people react to worship. I don't know why, and I'm gonna be honest with you, but he gave us parables about the seed. When he said, you know, it, it would never be that the seed. What is the seed there according to him? Because the disciples came back to ask him. Don't forget, we talked about parables when we we're talking about um, the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, the seed is the word. The seed, when Jesus was explaining to the disciples of all the things happening that happens in church, the only thing Jesus took a breakdown of a parable for was the, was the, was the teaching of the word. And what did Jesus categorize it for? He said, the seed is the word. He said, some receive the seed. But the moment they leave, they permit the troubles of life to choke the seed. Some receive it, but they don't. As a matter of fact, let's read it. I didn't plan going to this, but let's read it so that you would understand that it would never be that the preaching of the word is not powerful. It is how people receive it that makes it look, the measure in which you receive it or the measure in which you come in contact with it is the same measure you will receive you would you would go with it let's quickly look at the parable of the seed we started already quickly just let's rob let's borrow from matthew 13 so that at least i would show you still talking about the preaching of the word matthew 13 if you have your bible quickly run there and let's edify ourselves quickly you know you know i said certain things you know a while back i i believe it was the holy ghost that brought those words into my spirit and I've, i believe i've said this he said when i said when you are studying god's word the matured in god would in what god has said to understand it more meditate about what he has not said in what he is saying i believe that was how i put it the way you would understand the words of god more don't try to understand it because you have your five senses Meditate on what he did not say around what he has said. For example, when the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself, as simple as it is, you will think, okay, it's that simple. But hey, hey, if you want to understand the juice of that word, put yourself in the shoes of your neighbor. So before you do anything to that man, think of yourself. How will you react to yourself? That's how, at times, that's how you grow in the word. Growing the word. He just said, love your neighbor as yourself. So at times, you, 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 in your meditating uh, ability, you try to wrap it around. That's why when God was talking about the seed of the sower, he did not so much talk about uh, worship. He didn't talk about... Because there is something about the word. There is something about the word. He is not downplaying the place of miracles. He's not downplaying the place of worship. As a matter of fact, God said he seeks worshipers. But there is something about the word of the Lord that... We, we cannot afford to be ignorant about. Matthew 13. The Bible says, and he spoke, I'm reading from verse 3. Ooh, verse 3. And he spoke many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow, and when he sowed, some fell at the wayside. Did you see that? That Listen, that is, that is, a, that is a direct word that should flow in your spirit. The moment the word of God starts to be starts to be preached, I said something last week. Any preacher 
who stands in the sincerity of his heart, sincerity of the spirit, no strings attached, to preach the undiluted of word of God, right there, he represents God on two feet. Because that is where God has ordained his power to be displayed from. And that's what I'm going to show you today. That's why you don't look down on the preaching of the word. If people only knew by teaching or by wisdom how God does his things, we will stop gallivanting or stop running around things that looks, um, how do I put it? Things that looks bogus. For example, when God was going to show up to Elijah, the Bible says there was an earthquake. A lot of people would have thought God was in that earthquake because that looks spectacular. <laughs> Listen, what I'm telling you till today is still the same principle. The Bible's, I thank God. That's what the Bible said. The, the scriptures were written by, by, by devout men as the Spirit gave them inspiration. You will have thought God was in the tearing of the mountain into two. But the Bible expressly said, the fact that you see that mountains are tearing into two, be careful. The Bible says God was not in it. Listen, I'm a preacher of the word. I'm not going to come here and, and try to, to um, maybe because I want to score preaching points and try to give you exegesis and when you see something spectacular happening. Listen, the Bible said God was not in it. What caused mountains to tear into two? The truth about it is it might have been a dimension of the power of God. But the Bible says that was not, God was not in that. So be careful when you see a dimension of God's power. As long as that thing is not constant or sustainable, don't pick a tent there. Did you just hear what I said? Be careful where you place your tent. Mountains might be tearing into two. Child of God, these are the days of sons. And how do you know sons? Sons are known by maturity. And I'm not calling that to say gender-wise. You can be 10 years, you can be a 10-year-old, or you can be a 50-year-old baby in the kingdom. It's, this is the only kingdom that allows 70-year-old babies. <laughs> is that harsh for some people? Yes, it's true. This is, the, this is the only kingdom that I know that permits 80-year-old babies. Check the scriptures. Nicodemus was one of them. He was a rabbi in the temple. And when he came to Jesus asking about spiritual things, Jesus said, are you a priest and you don't know these basic things? It's there, John 3. It's there. That's why I said this is the only kingdom that you can see 10-year-old sons. Because what defines them is not by the age they've been in church. It's by the revelations and the encounters that they've had with God. That's why God can show up to Samuel. Samuel was a lad. But God, God wanted to talk to a child. Why? Because he displayed a level of maturity in the things of the spirit better than the sons of the prophets. Ophinus and Phineas. That was why when God took off the, 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 the ministry of Eli... There was nothing Eli could do because there were a lot of things around him that, that, that it was questionable. When the Bible says here in Matthew 13, and he went, I'm reading from verse 3, and he spoke many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower so forth went forth to sow, and when he sowed, some fell on the wayside, and fowls, fowls came and devoured them. 
He's not talking about your money. He's not talking about your house. He's talking about the seed of the word that came into you. Because you allowed some of those words fall on the wayside. You don't understand that is where the power is. But you allow that thing because it does not look spectacular. You allowed it to fall on the wayside. What pastor preached some days ago, if you knew that if you meditate on that word, that is what is going to bring the permanent solution to that problem. But after all, it's just words. Then you permit the, 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 the worries of life to choke that word. Not the devil. You. You permit it. According to the parables of Jesus. Verse, verse, verse 5. And some fell on stony places where they had not much earth. Did you see that? And fought forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepening in the earth. Because the root of your spirit has not developed an appetite for the word. So you put it on things that has no roots. Listen, this is a parable. And I explained to you some weeks back, talking about the kingdom of heaven. When Jesus is speaking in parables, watch it. He's trying to use the things you would, exp- you would understand. Plainness. To explain things that people thought were complex things. Verse 6. And the sun was up and the scorched because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell on thorns and the tongue sprung up and choked them. Verse 8. I'm still reading Matthew 13. But others fell on good ground. Did you see that now? But others fell on good ground and brought forth fruits. As long as you allow that word to land in the right place and it is preserved in your spirit, there is no how it will yield. Why? Because that is the power of God. So when it says here in verse 8, he says, Some fell on good ground and brought forth fruits, some hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirty. But nobody that will permit the word to land on good ground, it is impossible it will yield results. If you notice here, there is nothing in this scripture that has to do with demons. There is nothing in this scripture that has to do with the devil. There is nothing in this scripture that has to do with any any unnecessary things. It was as simple as a sower. At times, the sower can be the preacher that is anointed by God to put that word in your spirit. But it becomes your responsibility to put the word that you've received, the word that you've heard, the word that you've meditated upon, the words that you've even used to encourage yourself. He says, guard your heart with all diligence. For out of that heart flows the issues of life. As long as you are ready to preserve the word in your spirit, you can never come back to God and say you were, you were unfruitful. Listen, the fruits you might receive might be on 30 folds, but that word will work for you. That's what the Bible said in the book of Acts. So madly grew the word of the Lord in their midst and they prevailed. There is no devil in hell, right from the Old Testament to the New, that has ever had the ability to stop the word of God. Because God himself is his word. So when you preach the word of God, you have only, only converted the ability of God into words. I just said something heavy right there. You've only transformed. It's like when you transform water into vapor and into gas. You know, those of you that are good in, in, in science class, water, they, you, you, you convert it into vapor and then you can convert it. There's a way they go around all those chemical things. But the fact that it has transformed from one medium to the other does not mean it does not carry the same um, abilities. So look at what they said here. Look at what Jesus ended in verse 9. Matthew 13 verse 9. He who has an ear, let him hear. 
He who has an ear, let him hear. That means the fact that you have these two, permit me now, I'm not trying to insult anyone. The fact that you have these two antennas beside your head doesn't even mean you receive, not all of us receive the frequencies equally. That's why Jesus said, he who has an ear, let him hear. Because you might have the ability to have ears, but you choose not to listen. Now, the Bible says in verse 10, And the disciples came to him and said, Why speaketh thou this parable unto us? Verse 11, And he answered and said unto them, Because it is given to you to understand the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. Did you see this now? Now, please, I'm, I'm going to a deeper realm. This parable, what did Jesus call it? He says it is given unto you to understand the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. That means the things of the kingdom of heaven, these are the principles to which it operates on. The ability to be able to use the word of God to correct things in your life. That is a mystery, but not everybody understands it. The ability to be able to use the word of God to transform yourself. Listen, your life is in your mouth. Your life. Whatever it is you want to achieve, listen, as long as it is in this earth, quote me anywhere. You can put this somewhere, write this down and start practicing it. It's in your mouth. Any Christian listening to this, you, your very excellent existence on this earth, it is wrapped up in your mouth. That's why the Bible says the, the power of life and death is where? It's in what? Your tongue. It is a mystery. Not everybody would catch this. Not everybody would understand it. So when we say it pays to preach the gospel, I told you that the gospel, the dimension of it for salvation and at the same time uh, 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 for redemption. The redemption part is where God brings us from where we were lost. We are now operating in this particular kingdom. But the salvation dimension of it, that I can go on and on and on, saves us, gets us into heaven, saves us from unnecessary stress, worry. Why? Because we can use. The Bible says the tongue, this particular tongue, is the same, the same way you see a sheep trying to paraphrase now, how the captain steers the sheep towards the right or towards the left. He says that is the way your tongue will steer your life. How do you then use that tongue to steer your life? Child of God, it's in the teaching and the preaching of the word, of the gospel. This is the same way. That's the reason why when you preach the gospel as well to the lost, there is no how. It has to change them. That's the reason why when Jesus opened his mouth and spoke in John 8 that we talked about last time, the Bible says there was conviction in their spirit. Every one of them started dropping the stones. Verse, verse 11, and he answered unto them, the same Matthew 13, and he answered unto them, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not to him shall be taken away, even that which he think he has. You know, I'm now, I'm now going, you know, going into... What, what, is the, what is the correlation with what Jesus just said? I thought Jesus were talking about parable of the seed. How did you not end it by saying, he who thinks he has. The Bible says here in verse 12. For whosoever hath to him shall be given. Listen, this might be harsh. That's why at times when you see certain people who they've learned to master the usefulness of the, of the word. 
and you know just yesterday certain things happened and i was trying to i just did a little confession here while i was chatting with my wife and i was like listen the testimony of our lives is upward and forward only irrespective of whatever happens there are certain laws that we operate under not because some of us can't see what is happening around not because pretty much every time you stumble into the news there is always something here something there but you at times you choose peace intentionally i'm going to say that again at times you choose peace intentionally based on what you know romans 1 romans 1 i didn't plan to read Matthew 13, but at least you've seen it there. Jesus never gave parable about um, uh, miracles, parables about, and that's why I said Jesus taught more than he did miracles. Jesus taught more than, because that's where the, 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 the juice is. Romans 1, quickly, um, because I would really want to wrap up today um, on this topic. Romans 1, 16, a popular gospel. You know, I'm going to take from Romans 1, we're going to jump to 1 Corinthians, but please, I, I, I'm going to read multiple scriptures, so please flow with me and the essence for this is because i want everybody who will listen to this please share with your friends you know i want to see my brothers my sisters in christ i want all of us to develop 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 let's not wait until we get to heaven before we now start uh saying who had we known oh had we known that's why hey look at some of us here we are still in the game we're still trusting god some of us have not have not bowed some of us have not we were still here trying to encourage that's why we call this saints and out. see here trying to encourage other saints that come the power is in the word there is nothing there is nothing outside god's word that you want to go out there for let stay on the word romans 1 quickly the bible says from verse from verse 15 so as much as i am i'm reading for romans 1 15 so as much as in me i am ready to preach the gospel to you that as in rome also verse 16 this is the popular part of the scripture which i believe anybody who has been in church for a while should know the bible says in verse 16 for i am not ashamed of the gospel of christ I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. Hold it right there. So you're trying to tell me that the moment the gospel is in a place, I've told you, that's why I try saying that I'm going to show you to you from the scriptures. Every time a preacher stands to preach, it is the display of the power of God in words. It is the display. I'm, see, I said preach. And I'm not saying preach because you just have a title to your name. I'm talking about men who will stand in the fullness of the Holy Ghost. The word is supreme in their heart, in their spirit. They preach the undiluted power of the gospel the undiluted power of god they preach it right there even as a preacher of the word recently i saw someone preach and i said my god the gospel is powerful the gospel is powerful you know when you get to a point where you listen to the word and something on the inside of you starts to stir up and you know that even if you have not seen who that preacher in, in person before but something in your spirit connects that is the God factor right there. The Bible says, For I am not ashamed to preach the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Power of God unto. That means the gospel is what transforms a man into that realm of salvation. Into that realm where you are free. Now, salvation from you uh, 
attaining the status of making heaven is the most supreme. But after that, you can at the same time transform yourself from salvation can also be broken down. At times, it could be when you are held back by the mentality of bondage, at times by the mentality of low self-esteem, at times by the mentality of weakness. The gospel is the same thing that can transform you into the realm of salvation, whereby you don't think weak anymore, child of God, whereby you don't think small anymore, child of God, whereby you don't think as though you are a failure anymore. Listen, there is no point. There is no, you know, I heard someone say something over the week. He said, you can be, you can be um, 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 financially influential on earth while you're on your way to hell. It's true. One of the parables about Lazarus and the rich man told us about a rich man that went to hell. So it's not just, and at the same time, God never said he was comfortable with Lazarus being poor. That's not a balance that multiple locations. But the truth about it is there is no reason why you cannot be influential and be well-doing and all of that, even here on earth, the same way while you're on your way to heaven. But one thing you need to understand, as long as you are on this earth, you will definitely have to fight the fight of faith. That is being told to us in the scripture. As long as you still remain on this earth and this flesh is still um, is still functional because when this flesh is gone and then you transform, the Bible says to be outside of the body is to be present with the Lord. So obviously, once you are still in this body, there are certain things you will still have to go through. That's why, child of God, it's your responsibility to fight the fight of faith, to fight the fight of faith. And that is the only fight that the Bible has allocated that believers or as Christians, we will fight. And how do we do that fight? The only is not in is not in any other thing, but in the surrounding of yourself with the tools that has been given to us, which is what the word. So when Paul says here, it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, first to the Jew and then to the Greeks. Now look at what he says in verse 17. He says, for therein, English student, follow me, follow me, follow me. I know the fact that you're not from uh, Britain or English, England, doesn't mean you don't understand basic English. Look at what he said. Look at what he said in verse 7. He says, for therein. So when he says for therein, so what is he trying to say? He's trying to lay emphasis on something he said before. Do you agree with me? So when he says for therein, that statement in verse 17 does not start from there. For you to understand what he's talking about, go back to where he started the conversation from. So if I'm to rewrite this part and he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, the preaching of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation. If I jump straight to 17, he says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. Now, I've gotten to the place whereby I'm excited. <laughs> so when you when you say let, let me let me let me let me break this down. When he says for therein is the righteousness of God revealed. Somebody who don't understand the power of righteousness will just skip through the scripture. And I'm going to take a minute or so to break it down. First things first if you are taking notes. The righteousness of God is a weapon for every believer. And I'm going to explain that very soon. God's righteousness is the nature of God. 
God's righteousness is the rightness of God, irrespective of conditions. God's righteousness, I said something earlier, is the nature of God. That nature does not ever change. Please follow me if you're taking notes. I'm, I'm teaching something powerful. That nature does not ever change. The nature of God does not ever change for any reason whatsoever. That's why when the Bible says we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, it's not a nature you pray to get. It's not a nature that you grow in. It's a nature that is constant. And I say what is the, what I define the righteousness of God as two things. is the nature of God and it is the rightness. The ability of God to be right, irrespective of who's us, <laughs> is on the throne. That's why I call it a weapon. For those who are wise enough to see it that way. The rightness of God is the ability of God to come to a place. And it is dark, it is formless, it is shapeless. And God says, let there be light. The rightness of God, which is the righteousness of God. There is no form of darkness that can change that rightness to be wrong. So when God says, let there be light, even if darkness multiplies itself times infinity, it still cannot catch up with the rightness of God about the subject matter, let there be light. Let that sink. I hope, I hope you guys are hearing something. Even if darkness multiplies itself, Times. I didn't say. I didn't say a number. I said multiply. If darkness multiplies itself times infinity, the moment God says, "Let there be light," that is one tool that God has in His arsenal that nothing can change it. That's why it's called the righteousness of God. So when the when the righteousness of God is at display. It is bound to be right. Why? Because it is the nature of God. When God looks at, let's say, an orange fruit, and God says, wow, this apple looks beautiful. Right there, the, the moment the word comes out, because the word of the Lord is in right, is in sync, with the righteousness of God, there is no law that can stand that orange not changing to an apple because God cannot be wrong. Whew, I feel it. God cannot be wrong. For, for it's in his nature not to be wrong. He cannot be wrong. He cannot. He, he cannot. That's why the Bible says darkness and light are the same before him. When God looks at white and he says, wow, this blue, beautiful color, because it is part of the attribute of God to always be right, right there, white will change to blue. I hope you understand what I'm trying to teach. So when Paul 
says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to speak to a man who was hung on the cross beside Jesus that was bound to go to hell. And Jesus says, This very day, because you have believed in me, today I will see you in paradise. Right there, the car that was on the way taking him to hell, by default, would take a U-turn. That is the gospel. It has nothing to do with him going to the guy that sells cars to try to buy a new car. It has nothing to him trying to do anything on his works, anything because of the money he has, but because of the rightness of God. The gospel will always be right. Why? Because it is the nature of God put in words. And God says, that is the principle that I have chosen. It might look foolish to some people. It might sound foolish to some people. But it's in the power of my word. That's why when we take the teaching of the word and the preaching of the word, we take it with very light um, attributes. We don't understand that what we are handling right there is the very nature of God put in words. And that transaction was complete when Christ came into the scene. That's why when you check what he said, he says, For I am not, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Now that's the that's the that's the check. Because if you do not believe in it, where did we start from in Matthew 13? Some of them they do not know that the gospel that was delivered unto them, that is the power. But because they've allowed every other thing to choke that word, it will never be that a devil in hell has the power to change the rightness of God. The only thing that changed that thing is unbelief. This is what I'm teaching right now is gold. It's gold. The only thing that would change or truncate that rightness is unbelief. Because it is also in the nature of God's righteousness not to behold or abhor unbelief. That's why James warned us. He said, a man that is unstable in his ways, let not that man think he will receive anything of the Lord. Why? Because the nature and the rightness of God is, if he says white, white is white. You can be looking brown, you can be looking purple, you can be looking, that's why the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. Because in the realm of walking that way, you are a man who anything is possible. Anything is possible. That's why the children of God, once they are in custody of the gospel, and I don't mean the gospel whereby you just carry the, your Bible and then you go around and say, hey, repent, repent. That is the dimension of the gospel. But I'm talking about the word is at work in you. The word is alive in you. The word is, is, is you have pretty much become the word. Wherever everywhere you go, men want to hold to your garment. Men want to see there is something unique about you. There is something different. Whereby you become an epitome of God on two legs. The Bible says, according to Paul, he says, every time you open your mouth to speak, verse 17 would be your testimony. He says, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed. Every time you open your mouth, child of God, you are, you, are, you are influencing the righteousness of God on situation. 
And what is the righteousness of God? The righteousness of God is that attribute of God that can convert sickness into health. That can convert low self-esteem into boldness. That can convert impossibilities into possible situations. That is the righteousness of God. And he says that does not happen. I thank God he didn't say, listen, listen, I'm about to say something heavy again. He did not say everybody who walks in the gift of miracle walking will be the only ones to be able to do this. No, he didn't say that. What he says, everyone who is a preacher of the word can function in this realm. If he has said this realm was limited to miracle workers alone, then we are going to be in trouble. Because if that gift is not dominant in you yet, then you will think you cannot display the power of God. I just broke a certain table right now. If the gift of the walking of miracles, see, see, don't get me wrong. I'm not here trying to contradict myself. The gift of the walking of the miracle is also given by the Holy Ghost. But I tell you that, listen, when you have the power to change a man going to hell and you turn him around to make heaven, that is the greatest miracle of all time. And that's why the Bible says there is joy in heaven. Not when the men jump out from crutches. He says there is joy in heaven when a soul is saved. That's why I said we need to be taught. Listen, every day in church ought to be, every time we gather as church, it ought to be a reflection of parties being thrown in heaven. Every day. That's why the joy of the Lord is also a strength to you. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Listen, when you get to that realm, I'm sure some people will say, Anybody who is listening to this now would think maybe this person preaching is preaching in a 5 million auditorium. Maybe that's why he's excited. Listen, I don't need all of that for the joy of the Lord to be full in my spirit. That's another thing that we've gotten wrong. Some of us think we need to, listen, when the gospel is real unto you, when it comes alive in your spirit, there are certain things that will stir up joy in your spirit. You just know fully whether, wow, wow, wow. Such people, listen, you cannot even come close to say you want to commit suicide. You want to, you want to, you want to, you are going through depression. And I'm not saying those things are not real, but I'm, I'm telling you that you can use the power of the tool you have in your custody, child of God, to correct that mindset. You don't have to wait for happenings to happen to you before joy will be in your spirit. That's why happiness is not a fruit of the spirit. It is joy. God doesn't wait for Bitcoin to be green before he is joyful. God doesn't wait for Ethereum or for stocks to rise and all those things that are dependent on things. Because the truth is the day it falls, the joy will be taken away. But when they say this joy that I have, I'm even to sing this morning. Is that okay? The world can give it. The world can take it away. That's supposed to be your testimony, child of God. Listen, when you are in custody of what the world did not give to you, the world cannot take it away. When you are in custody of something the world did not give it to, did not give to you, the world will be the last place where in which they will take it away. That's why Paul would say that. Listen, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as is reason the just shall live by faith. It has to be by faith. I'm so excited. I'm so excited in my spirit. I'm so excited in my spirit that the ability of the word of God is in me. That's how you talk. I'm so excited in my spirit. And listen, when you start speaking that way, you stumble upon multiple scriptures. I, you know, I saw a scripture recently that the Bible says, he said, he said, he said, lean not on your own understanding. 
talking about trusting in the Lord. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and lean not on your own understanding. Listen, the Bible is a complete book. The Bible is a complete book. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. I got joy in my spirit. It pays to preach the gospel. It pays to preach. It pays to preach the gospel. It pays to preach the gospel. 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. I'm going to go straight to something. 1 Corinthians and 1. You know, I said something last week. Talking about the foolishness of God. I think that was the way I put it. The foolishness of God is, the Bible says the foolishness of God is wiser than all of men together. I don't know why the Bible chose to, you know, to call it the foolishness of God, but I'm sure it's trying to make you understand that even when God decides, now, just using this to um, illustrate what I'm about to teach soon, even when God decides to act foolishly, in that decision, his foolishness is still wiser than all the men put together. So that means you can't go wrong with God. I hope you understand what I said. Even if the day God decides to act foolish, let's just say that today God decides to act foolish. Even in the foolishness of God, all the wisdom of men put together, they are still not match for the foolishness of God, let alone when he starts to operate in his wisdom. That's why, you know, if you are an atheist listening to this, you stumbled on this, you know, you don't have any reason to be on that side. <laughs> Let me just leave it that way. <laughs> First Corinthians 1. Now, I'm, th- please, please, what I'm about to read now, everybody needs to have a Bible for themselves to read it. This is Saint Tangal. I don't expect anybody to be listening to this without a Bible. You know, please watch, watch. I'm reading First Corinthians 1. First Corinthians 1. Let's start from verse 17. This is going to be a long read, but please follow me. The Bible says, For Christ has sent me not to baptize, What is the next thing there? But to preach. This is Paul. So this is Paul who did miracles. Paul who, you know, you know Paul, you know Paul's profile. But he says, for Christ has sent me not to baptize. Listen, baptism is a scriptural thing. I believe strongly in baptism, so don't get me wrong. That's what I'm trying to make you understand that there's a balance of what I'm saying. I'm trying to make you understand that it pays to preach the gospel. The church of Jesus is an institution that does a lot of things. But listen, let us not put every other thing at the forefront and we put the preaching of the gospel at the back seat. That's the essence of all of this teaching. Do I believe in miracle? 100%. But let us not heal men from crutches while they are on their way to hell. Let us not preach men or bring in motivational speakers, bring in financial consultants, bring in health, whatever it is that they bring to, in quotes, churches these days, all at the expense of the souls of men. Let's not have carnival, let's not have uh, uh, revival or worship and all those things, not at the expense of men going to hell. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Now, the Bible says in 17, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Now, look at what he categorizes as the preaching of the gospel that God ordained him to preach. He says, not with, the, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of non-effect. Did you see that now? Don't forget what we read earlier. 
when I think it was in 2 Corinthians 2 in verse 4 last week when it says the preaching of the word not in the wisdom of men there was a way he puts it now 2 Corinthians 2 we read it last week if I'm not forgetting that I tried to explain verse 4 and verse 5 that your faith should not rest in the wisdom of men but in the power of God we read that last week I think it was in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 4 and 5 Yes. So when Paul is echoing the same thing here in 1 Corinthians 1 and 17, when he says, he said, For Christ sent me not to, to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, not with the wisdom of words. So the teaching of the word and the preaching of the word is not supposed to be um, how eloquent you are when it has to do with English speaking. Then that's why people come around and say things like, if you're not, it's not in the north. You know, all those redemic, all those rhymes. <laughs> you know, these days you have to be very, very careful because I said anything last week. Um, half truth is not truth. You know, when you try to come and try to mix words, you have to be very careful. If it is not the gospel, it's not the gospel, period. You understand? That's why I also said, uh, there was this way I, I put it, I think in Matthew 24, that I said, if you read Matthew 24, if you notice the first thing Jesus warned us about, in Matthew 24, would be the, 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 the false prophet. He didn't even talk about rumors of war. He didn't even talk about all of it. He told about that later. But the first thing according to Matthew 24 that Jesus warns us about, be careful of false teachers. Be careful. And why did he start with that? And I said to you, I said, because that is even more dangerous. A lot of us would think that the ones that are dangerous are those other things. But he knew the importance. Because those are the ones that if you permit them to move, you would not even know that it is dangerous. It's just like you playing with something that is very dangerous, but you don't even know that it's dangerous. Now, the Bible said, let's keep reading. Okay, let me start again from verse 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of word, lest the cross of Christ should be made of non-effect. Did you see that? So when we start to use words, he says what you're doing right there is you are making the cross of non-effect. In verse 18, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Please watch this very, very, very well. If you notice now, he's talking about a class of people. He says, for the preaching of the cross is to them that are perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, what is the preaching of the cross to us who are saved? He says it is what? The power of God. Do you need any other thing to convince you? So every Christian who is a preacher of the word is in contact with the power of God. But you will not know because you don't see it that way. That's why, look at the way Paul broke it down. If you notice, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, the preaching is jumping out of me, but I don't really want to preach. I want to teach. I want people to be able to see, go to the word, see, child of God, man of God, boy of God, woman of God, whatever title it is to your name, open your Bible and see it. You are a powerful being. You just don't know what is in your custody. Read your Bible, study it, personalize the word for your life. Let your surrounding be an atmosphere of power. Don't permit that, that, that thought from the pit of hell to dominate your household, your, your life or anything. The Bible says to us, to us, to us, look at yourself and say to me, the preaching of the word is power. To me, that's what the Bible says, for the preaching of the cross, to them that are perishing, they, they think it's foolishness. To them who are who don't believe in God, they think it's foolishness. Do not fall for that 
thing. Do not fall for that lie of the devil. When someone preaches the gospel to you, it is not foolishness. It is the power of God, the same power that has the ability to change every wrong right, to correct every sickness, to be made health, to correct every law, whatever it is that are the baggage of the devil. The gospel has the power to change it. Why? Because the same gospel, when it's being preached according to Romans 1, is the ability to introduce the righteousness of God into a state. So when your city, Cape Town, Johannesburg, whatever city, Lagos, whatever city you are, if the rate of crime, if the rate of, of, of the ability of the, of the demonic oppression is surrounding in that city, let me be honest with you, it's because the preaching of the gospel has been downplayed. Quote me anywhere. Find a city where crime and all those things pay. I said certain things last week. When the Holy Ghost is ready to move in a place, check the history. The first thing he does, he stirs up a preacher. When God decides to move in a place, the first thing he does, he stands up someone to preach the word. That's why we cannot say we want to close churches and not expect crime rates to increase. We cannot say we want to stop the preachers of the good news. You cannot say you want to close down. That's why, listen, go and check. Go and check. Another thing I'm going to say here for free. When you find a place whereby sin thrives, like sin, I'm not even talking about the preaching now, sin thrives in that place on a high scale. Check that surrounding. People don't live long. Check. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. So when you find a place where the rate of sin is so high, check, nobody, people don't live long in that environment. It's not, listen, it's not a, there are some hidden mysteries of the kingdom. There are. That's why the more you convert men, the more you, 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 you preach the gospel. Because everything is totally spiritual. It's spiritual. That's what the Bible says in the same clouds. The same. If you, if, you, if, you, if you check Daniel, the Bible says when Daniel was praying, the Bible says the, God released an angel. But the angel took long to answer what Daniel was praying for. Eventually, God released Gabriel, which is an archangel, to go to the same place. So Gabriel came to intervene in that fight the moment he got the higher realm of angel the moment he got there pow that fight stopped when the angel the first angel that was sent came to daniel what did he say he said daniel the first day you started praying god answered your prayers god did not need daniel to pray for 21 days no so that's why at times, yes, I know churches now do 21 days. Yes, it's okay. I'm not, I don't have issues with that. But the angel did not, God did not delay his answer to Daniel's prayers for 21 days. The Bible says the moment Daniel starts to start praying, God released the angel. But what happened? The angel himself told Daniel, but the prince of Persia withheld me, kept me in that place. That's why, listen, when your walk with God have not gotten to certain realms, it's not every place as well that you go. Because there are certain realms that you don't want to put yourself in. 
That's why at times people think when we stroll out of church and you start just going, you you no, nothing guides you. Nothing, no, nothing is like an edge for you anymore. It's it's listen, I don't know how best to put it, but the best way I can put it is child of God, walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom. There are some things that it is not even a prayer factor. It's just wisdom away and your ability to be able to, to let the Holy Ghost teach you from the scriptures. Life is spiritual. Don't be deceived. There is nothing physical about life to a Christian. I'm not saying to everyone, to a Christian, don't act foolishly. That's why we call this saints hang out. If the saints get it right, it will be easy for us to deal with the unbelievers or to bring them to church or to be able to be that guide or that, uh, as God has called us, we now have the ministry of reconciliation to bring them to Christ. That's why the church needs to get it right. That's why Christians need to get it right. We are meant to act exactly like Christ. That's why you, you cannot say you want to act like Christ when you don't even know the principles of Christ. You don't know, There are a lot of things. That's why when you are saved, stay in church. Get to the place where the word has been taught. Let the word be what guides you. I hope you hear what I'm saying. That's what the Bible says here in 1 Corinthians again. I need to run now because of time. It says, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. It's to them that perish foolishness. It will not make sense. To one who is already on that path. But to us that are saved. What did Paul tell us the preaching of the cross is? He says, but to us which are saved, it is the power of God. Verse 18, verse 19. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Verse 20. Where is the wise? Who, where are they? Where is the wise? Verse 20, he says, where, verse 20, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of the world? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of this world? If you have your Bible, underline that part. The wisdom of this world, you cannot use it to operate the kingdom of heaven. If you've never heard that before, don't ever, 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 as a child of God, function on the wisdom of the world if you want to gain the abilities of heaven or the resources, the righteousness of God, it cannot be surrounded by the wisdom of the world because the wisdom of the world, it cannot even stand beside what God wants to do. That's why you cannot walk by sight and want to be spirit-led at the same time. Did you hear what I just said? You cannot walk by sight and want to be spirit-led at the same time. It's not going to work. That's why the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. A man of the spirit is not one that is led by sight. There are certain, that's why I told you last time, you know, in, in, in Exodus, everybody was moving out of that land when there was famine. And God told Isaac or Jacob, stay, stay, stay in that same place. I will show myself in your life in that same business. Remain there. You don't just make a decision because every other person is making it. You are not moved because of peer pressure. Peer, let it be heaven pressure when it comes to your case. Not peer pressure. No child of God should ever make a decision because of your peers. What happened to you being led by the Spirit? The Bible says for the wisdom, I'm reading verse, verse 21 now. For after that in the wisdom of God, the word by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God that by the foolishness of preaching. Did you see that now? The Bible says... Verse 21, for after that, in the wisdom of God, the word by wisdom knew not God. 
The world, by its own wisdom, knew not God. For it pleased God by the foolishness. Did you see that? The Bible said it pleased God. That means God is fine with it. When a preacher stands on a stage to, pre to preach the undiluted word of God, the Bible is teaching us now that God is fine with his power being displayed by that foolish act. <laughs> but maybe in quotes now, by that foolish act of preaching. Open your spirit. Come on, hear me, hear me. Open up your spirit and hear what this teacher is teaching. When a man of God stands to teach, now emphasis on the, the you know, when I say man of God now, I need to hold that very, you know, it's so, you know, unique that in these days now, that title has been bastardized. That's why I need to say that with all reverence. When a man of God stands to teach and to preach, God, through his word, in what we are reading now, the Bible says he pleased God. He pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believed. So the power of God is in that word that is being dished out from that pulpit. The Bible says it pleased God. But some of us don't know that that is where God has wrapped the power in. Some of us don't know. That's why the same principles that happened in the days of Elijah. The Bible says God was not in the earthquake. God was not in the storm. But what did the Bible say God was in? The Bible says, but God was in the still, small voice. Until today, it pleased God to wrap himself up and disguise himself in the teaching of the word. Listen, I'm saying heavy things right now. Heavy. God, he, see, when I saw this, that's why it was more like my, my reverence for the teaching of the word. I, I said to myself, let me be, be wise. Don't be foolish. If the Bible tells you God himself, it pleased him to disguise himself in the preaching of the word. Don't be fooled the way Elijah was. When he saw the earthquake tearing into two, he was quick to run to that place. A move of God or a manifestation of God in a short instant does not mean God takes rest in that move. That's why as Christians, don't be so quick to plant your tent in a move of God and miss God. Did you hear what I just said? Don't be quick to plant yourself in a move of God and miss God. I wish I could shout that from the, from the mountaintops. That's why our God is a living God, not a monument. Pack your bed, sons of God. Leave the realm God has left. If God has moved away from certain ways, move. That's why we are led by the Spirit of God. Not the other way, not, not, not by, by the past moves of God. If the Bible says God chose, it please, listen, when I saw that place, I circled it in my spirit. It is not a thought that God is telling you, child of God. God says, I am pleased to disguise myself in the preaching of the word. That's why I told you in the first episode, the moment Jesus preached in John 8, the Bible said every one of them who had stones started being, they were convicted. That's why I told you right now that. The Holy Ghost, when you preach the word with power, he disguises himself. He touches the one going through um, sickness. The same word, touching the one going through um, uh, bad, 
background touches every part and it will change everybody by the same word that is preached. Why? Because God has chosen to use the foolish things of this world. One of them is preaching to show that he's still on the throne. That's why the worst thing that can happen in the, to a Christian is to be surrounded by unbelief. No child of God has any business with unbelief. And the fastest way to correct that is through the word. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word. If you don't believe even in yourself about what one or two things God has laid in your spirit, don't be too quick to run from pillar to pole. Faith comes by hearing. If you are ignorant about the face of your life, about something, go and research what does the word says about childbirth? What does the word says about divine healing? What does the word says about uh, uh, finances? You know, on, on Tuesday, I was reading some, or somebody, a preacher, I know I told you I listened to a lot. The Bible says in the book of Deuteronomy, it is he who gives you the power to make wealth. God has never promised anyone that he's going to give them wealth. God gives you the power to make wealth. Two different things. Whew. Let me not let me not jump into that. Listen, the word is sufficient. So if you are trusting God even for businesses, go to the scriptures. If you're trusting God for whatsoever, everything is wrapped up in the word. That's why when the teaching of that word goes out, what did Paul tell us in Romans 1? He says, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed. So every time you teach on the word, and it's with respect to various subject matters. He says, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed. You are struggling with a place of in your life. Expose that place to the gospel. For therein is the righteousness of God will be revealed in that situation. What I just told you now are secrets. You don't need to pay money for it. You don't need to go around anybody pouring oil and all those things on your head. They are secrets of the kingdom. I hope you all are hearing me. And if you practice this, that's why I read to you from Matthew 13. Jesus himself was the one that spoke it. He said it would never be that the seed is not powerful. But what drives the seed to the realm of power is when you take that seed, put it in the confinement of your spirit. Don't let any ark or any sea or anything come to take it away. Guard, guard it with your heart. That thing will produce results. It has never failed. If it did not fail in the days of Jesus, it cannot fail during your time. That is the secret of the gospel. The gospel has never failed. That's why whether your name is Jesus, you are preaching it while you are just drawing stones on the ground. The same gospel works. Even when you are on the cross with other criminals by your side, the same gospel still works. Even when you are in your lowest end, the gospel has the power to pick you up from wherever level it meets you, to pick you to that realm where God sits. That's what the Bible says. We are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Only the gospel talks that way. You're on earth, but you're seated in heavenly places. You are in that house. You are doing that business, but you are seated in heavenly places. Glory to God. Verse 22, for the Jews require a sign and the Greeks wisdom. Verse 23, but we preach Christ crucified and unto the Jew is a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ 
the power of God, the wisdom of God. Did you see that? I'm reading verse 23 now. 1 Corinthians 1, 23. It says, but we preach, but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called unto us which are called both Jews and and Greeks. Christ that we preach is the power of God and is the wisdom of God because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Verse 26, For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many are wise after the flesh. Did you see that? Not many are wise because a lot of them don't see the power of the gospel. A lot of them don't understand the power of the gospel because that's what God has chosen to disguise himself in. Even till tomorrow, God is still disguising himself in the preaching of the gospel. God is still disguising himself in the preaching of the gospel. That's what verse 26 says, for ye, verse 25, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many are wise men after the flesh, and not many noble are called. Verse 27, but God has chosen the foolish things of this world to conform the wise and God has chosen the weak things of this world to conform the things which are mighty what did I just read God has chosen the foolish things of this world to prove to those that they are wise the preaching of the gospel is still one of those things people think are the foolish things of this world but that is what God has chosen that is what God has chosen. That's why, child of God, don't take the preaching of the word lightly. Pastors, don't take the preaching of the word lightly. It is there that the power of God is displayed. I'm going to round off. I'm going to round off. I'm going to round off here. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your wisdom. Thank you, Lord, for your wisdom. Thank you, Lord, for your, for your power. Thank you, Lord, for the ability to preach the word as empowered by the Holy Ghost. And I pray, Lord, for everyone that has been privileged to listen to this. I pray that the revelation of the gospel will manifest in their spirit. Right in that your home, right in where you are listening to, the ability of God's word will start to manifest in you. I pray that the Holy Ghost will interrupt the sleep of many, will interrupt their thoughts. We interrupt everything that has to do with them. And I pray that the spirit of everyone listening to me, it lines up with the Holy Ghost. And I pray that as you speak, men would hear God through your voice. I pray for every weakness that is in you. And I pray the power of God is replacing that weakness. I pray for those that are timid, those that are shy, not even those that are not saved. I pray that this same gospel is for you. And in the name of Jesus, the ability and the power of God is seen through these teachings. I pray that in the name of Jesus, men are using the gospel, the teaching and the preaching of the word to correct every lie of the devil. I decree in the name of Jesus that lying spirit, you have no hold on God's people. I decree in the name of Jesus, the power of God is made manifest in that home, is made manifest in that church, is made manifest in that fellowship, in that place where the power of God has been preached. Lord, I pray for this country, South Africa. I pray for this city. And I decree 
The word of the Lord is highly exalted against every arm of the devil, against every plan of the adversary. I pray for every churches locally, everywhere where the name of Jesus has been lifted. And I decree in the name of Jesus, so mindly grows the word in this city, Cape Town. So mindly is the word of God growing in this city, in this country, South Africa. So mindly is the word of God growing in this continent of Africa. And in the nations of the world and i pray in the name of jesus unto us the bible says the gospel is power unto us the saints the bible says the gospel unto us is power therefore lord i stand on the authority of that scripture and i decree as we teach the word even in these last days the power of god is made made manifest the power of god has been seen the power of god has been expressed in the name of jesus lord i pray for every heart of stone it starts to become the heart of flesh in the name of jesus we pray and everyone says amen amen glory to god glory to god hallelujah thank you so much thanks for listening today we know these words have encouraged and edified you now go on and walk in the truth of god's word 